we have Tom with us today. What Tom, a special guest. Tom famously doesn't have any opinions on anything, so this is going to be interesting. It's no. nice or dangerous. Who knows? He's been chomping at the bit to get on the podcast, though, looking. He's so excited. <laughs> I really have, actually. It's been quite irritating listening to you lot pontificate nonsense over the last few weeks. Brilliant. You're in need of a bit of balance, that's all. A few grey hairs. Oh. This podcast has enough grey hairs as it is. Well, I mean, that's only aimed at me. So. There's an awful lot to say, isn't there? And uh, the people in my house are getting bored of me saying it to them. So. Well, where would you like to start? You're the guest. Where would you like to begin? Uh, the lionesses, I think. Yeah, that was lovely, wasn't it? I managed to get uh, Olivia watching it with the bribery of a bag of popcorn. So that was good. <laughs> Talk about inspiring the next generation. I sort of thought I should take a picture of her watching the the, uh, the final because it's a really nice thing. And then I thought, well, actually, the, the picture's just a lie because the reality is she watched it for five minutes and the rest of the time she was watching the iPad. Amazing, isn't it? My my uh, little boys both sat and watched most of it. And the fact it was women playing just didn't matter at all. They were just like properly into the occasion <clears throat> and it being England. And it was just, yeah, proper, really good. So they ask questions like, who's the lady in the red? No, they don't. What they <laughs> Why do is that play? one wearing green? No, they've just picked so your, up an your awful kids are affectations from going to watch football. So they say things like referee and what are you doing? <laughs> Who's the wanker in the black? Exactly. <laughs> they don't say the W word, no. They do constantly ask about the W word and the B word and the C word, though. <laughs> Have you seen the um, Gabby Logan clip? Oh, she's she's signed off. Off. Yeah, yeah, beautiful, wasn't it? Yeah, it was class. If only the same thing applied to women's golf. Oh, wait. It does. That's weird. Well, it was on uh, Terrestrial TV for a start, wasn't it? You could watch two hours of the Women's Scottish for most of this week, I dare, which was quite annoying. If only it was was on YouTube for free. Can we mute, George? What do you mean? (laughs) I've been away for a week and I know you all missed me. And here I am and I'm getting abused already. I thought that the the fact it is on free-to-air TV, the football, I mean... Is actually a thing. Like how many people will have yeah. watched it? Twenty million or something. Um, and it becomes one of these occasions when the whole country's doing the same thing, and that just doesn't happen, does it? With however big we think a sporting event is on Sky or on paid TV, it just doesn't capture everybody in the same way. We were driving home from golf practice with my kids, just it was about to start, and all of the streets were empty, like it is before England men's game, and that's like that's like something, isn't it? I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely buzzing for them. <laughs> I watched every minute of England in this Euros. Absolutely buzzing. I really am. I was so good. I mean, I was like genuinely in tears at the end. Well, we had like that, you know, and, you know, and because it was obviously a warm day, everyone's sort of got their back doors open and everyone's obviously got slightly different timings on their TV or whatever stream they're watching. So you, there was like the cheer. We we sort of cheered and then there was like a delayed cheer from next door and then the house behind us, you could hear them cheer sort of. 20 seconds later, um, which was a classic. Okay. But it was good, like, that everyone was watching, obviously, and, and, and we got that moment. So. What uh, what temperatures does it need to get to for you to open your back doors, George? We're going to have to put this podcast out after the watershed.
Right, let's talk about Liz Golf because are they are they paying for this podcast yet? Because it feels like <laughs> have we have we talked about it enough to get the Saudis on board to sponsor it? Yeah, for anyone who was under a rock yesterday, it was it just had to be, didn't it? Henrik Stenson, eleven days on from his sacking as a Ryder Cup captain, and we can call it a sacking now, can't we? I think I think that's fair. Uh, eleven days on what his debut it? event. What was it, George? Technically, breach of contract, wasn't it? That's why he had to go, I think. Yeah. Does that count as a, can we call that a, can we call that a sacking? I think we can. I think probably can. It sounds juicier to our listeners, doesn't it, if we say sacking? So I'm calling it a sacking. Anyway, eleven days on from the sacking. He only went and won it, didn't he? His debut event, Live Bedminster, wire to wire, looked very good, looked composed, looked like he was on a mission. And he got and he got the W, which like I say, you almost couldn't write it, could you? It's like he had to win that. And he did. So, I mean, you could write it. There are Hollywood script writers write far more <laughs> fantastical things. Let's not, no, let's not go overboard. No, no, no. So what's happened to Stenson? Why is he... The, the guy couldn't make a cut for love nor money. I did see someone tweet this. It's, <laughs> it is easier when you drop down the division. Take that as you will. But I don't know. Like I said, he seemed almost <laughs> like on a mission. It was like he was Do you know what I mean? There's also it. an element of like... He knows he's kind of bottom of the pile on that tour, and if he doesn't do something, like they're gonna top it up. Like they've only got space for 48 players, so <laughs> the people who aren't making cuts and aren't doing well, like they're not gonna stick around on there forever, are they? Like someone's gonna come replace them. If you've already been kicked off two tours, play and live. Like you need to actually do something with it, don't you? I think he's pretty safe in this spot. I think he could finish. He could have done a fill and finished at the bottom. He'd be alright. I just I don't know. Like you say. I, I think the sort of playing without pressure, which probably helps. You know, I feel like the guy playing was, But there was pressure a... on him. <clears throat> Sorry, George, there was pressure on him, though, because he's, as you said, he's been booted out of the Ryder Cup captain. Like, everyone was going, has he made the right choice here? You know, take the money out of it. Has he made the right choice to essentially give up the Ryder Cup captaincy to go and play live? Now, Phil did the same. Phil had the same pressure. Phil had all that stuff at the start of the year where he was talking about Saudi, calling them scary mother effers and all that stuff. And it all got publicized heavily and obviously you know there's a, a, a book essentially written because of it and Phil has completely wilted under the pressure now Stenson okay perhaps not the same kind of pressure but it's still pressure and he's gone out and won first time and Phil was Phil was coming off the back of one of his best seasons with you know Champions Tour win obviously won the PJ Championship <clears throat> Stenson's in the most miserable form of his life do you know when Stenson's last win was 2019 hero maybe does that even count the hero world challenge again it's a limited player field they won the open didn't they in 2016 it was <laughs> i remember that yeah i think i was there has he won since then he won has the he won since then i'm gonna pretend i'm gonna pretend i'm not going on his wikipedia page no he won the windham in 2017 he won the hero challenge in december 2019 which, which doesn't count because it's an 18-month field even though you get world ranking points for it I didn't watch Live, not through any kind of um, protest. It just, I didn't have room for it in amongst everything else. I think what the thing that annoys me most is why, <clears throat> why does he have to say something like, I played like a captain, is the first thing he says when he wins. I think that is the sort of one of the most distasteful things about some of the players that have gone, in that he, the only reason that he has been handpicked by Live to go and join the tour is because he's European captain. The only reason he's European captain is because of his Ryder Cup record. The only reason he's got a Ryder Cup record is because of the European tour. 
the Europeans are clearly unhappy about the threat of Liv and he is too short-sighted to see that even though he's got a massive payout because the European tour created the golfer and the captain and the Ryder Cup player that he is. So it's kind of, I think, take the money, fine. Uh, fair play for winning the tournament. Why not be slightly more gracious in victory? I think also, I think what's even more offensive is that the joke just doesn't... <laughs> also, the, the reporter asking him who, uh, who, who was interviewing him didn't even understand it because she went, oh, Lee Westwood's your captain. <laughs> she just didn't get it. So it didn't work on that front either. But yeah, completely agree. There's just ways you behave, isn't there? And and it's not like you said. It's not. He's not the only person that's done it either. Like, there are lots well, of players all, going over there. It's like they they go over and they just they're like living up to their villain image now, aren't they? They're all doing it, and like it just sort of adds to the whole spectacle. But it, the but it, that, and the whole bad boy image. That narrative that's developing is it's the the, the kind of view or the the well the narrative i'll say it again that 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 is being created is that live is the startup they're the little guy they're trying to stick it to the man it's the big boy bully of the pga tour and the european tour that are the troublemakers here it's very very strange it's like a sort of abusive husband managing to kind of convince their wife that they're the problem like it's it's all the wrong way around so i think that the that kind of mentality that's being fostered is very very peculiar but some people are loving it, Tom. So, George. No, I'm not loving it. I, are, are you I, that I, like the golfer pal on Twitter? Is that you? Um, I, <laughs> I, I, may have bot, I may have a few bot accounts. No, but uh, to be fair, though, I watched it and I, I, there's been drastic improvements from the first event. Like, you can't dispute that. Like, it's certainly, it's certainly starting to become a product, I think. I was watching it and... You know, everything that you started, everything at the beginning, which was just you could just take the mick out of, which admittedly is still there a little bit, is starting to go. I think they had like a, they had a, quite a few of the players were mic'd up on Saturday, which worked quite well, I thought. There were some good moments sort of polter with Dustin. Um, you look at the leaderboard now, like you looked at it when, when it was the Live London event, you were just looking at the leaderboard, you were sort of trying to find the big names. Now you look at it like, as soon as they had it on the left-hand side, like the sort of F1 style leaderboard, it was there was loads of names on there. Like it's it's starting to become a bit of more of a stacked field, which is only going to improve. You know, you've got Bubba who's just joined. You've probably got Matsuyama who's just come in. So in terms of the the field's a lot stronger obviously than it was. You know, you look at it now. There's got so many star names on there, and I think if they can next year, it's going to be what 14 events. If they and it and it looks like they're going to again make it very much F1 like, and it's going to be. Each event is going to be overseas, and it's going to have this this spec. It's going to be this spectacle, and it's going to. I think there's there's room for it to keep going, and I think it's. I think give it a year, we're going to have a very different conversation. Like we're event free, and there's already been huge improvements. Like I'm not ashamed to say it. I enjoyed watching it. I thought it was quite good. You know, golf Twitter is an echo chamber, and it's easy to get caught up in there. But it feels like the majority of the people that are enjoying it are just people who are like, oh, stick it to the man, kind of people without bringing politics into it see i love That's... watching golf and i don't care if it's like the weakest pga tour event or whatever but i just have no interest in turning on live i watched every other tournament that was on this week that's not a moral thing and it makes so... me wonder who's actually watching it but so so george makes a decent point like in a year's time someone was telling me that it's got to be profitable within 30 years which probably tells you something about the sort of extent of the Saudis' ambition. Like they don't want to have some sort of sideshow um, 
product. They want to sort of be the dominant force, it would appear. But the, at the moment, it's it's it has this it has the same sporting status as the match does, which I didn't watch that either. So it's just a kind of a payout for some already pretty wealthy people, um, which is like if that's what they want to do, that's fine. But I don't I don't necessarily want to don't want to watch that in the same way I wouldn't watch a YouTuber do a boxing match. It's just not like it's entertainment for some people, but it's not sport, is it? So I think that is a problem at the moment the team thing is interesting isn't it which apparently is the whole commercial model and the whole thing that's going to make it different and if if that is a thing and we end up with an australian team or a tailor-made team or a whatever team and that and people do get bought into that then that is that is a genuinely different thing it feels like that's a long way from happening though everyone goes on about it being this like new thing and like it's different golf and it's golf fast and whatever it's literally like the nearest thing to a 72-hole golf tournament they could have done without it being a 72-hole tournament. Like, let's do something different. What should we do? Oh, why don't we get rid of one round? Like, that's really different. No one on there is. It's massively different. They could have done something so much different, and all they did was make it 54 holes. Shotgun Start, Shotgun start makes it a better television product, I would say, because you do get a result in inverted commas within whatever four hours which is different from like at the extreme example the open where there's i mean how long were you at the open for on thursday 6 30 oh, till 11 o'clock basically well, <laughs> nothing that's part of the fan experience like what is it 75 quid to go watch live compared to 105 or something for the open and you can go watch for what four or five hours of golf shotgun start where you got to run around to find who you want to watch whereas oh. you go to the open you're paying 30 quid more and you can watch like 16 hours of golf. Well, I went, I went to Centurion. I think that as someone who, and I went to watch the golf and I think as a, a spectator experience when you're there, that's absolutely right. It's really not great because it's very difficult to find golf to watch. And believe it or not, blinking, you've missed it. The, that said, there weren't very many people there, so it's really easy to get close to the golfers. But I think as a TV experience, the shotgun start thing works because it's... Yeah it's more the length of a 2020 cricket match or whatever so you kind of you can sit and watch the whole thing yeah and I think I've said it before as well they're not the people that are going to this event aren't the hardcores like us that go to the open and do a seven till seven do you know what I mean and you were obviously there at Century and as well Tom like the golf was secondary it was completely secondary and it was like that it felt even just watching on tv you could tell it was like that again like there wasn't many people watching the leaders and then when it went to like the early holes, which were obviously near where they had all the fan park, you could hear the music blaring out and people, you could, all you could hear was people chatting. It was like, and then they cut to the leaders on who were deep onto the course and there's suddenly no one watching. Like people aren't really there. For, like the golf is such a secondary ask. People are there for a day out. They're there for all the entertainment that goes with it. Yeah. I did enjoy watching, uh, I, I flipped on for the last for half an hour or whatever last night and I did enjoy Ian Porter studying his approach to his final <laughs> role with the black eyed peas blaring behind him that was good entertainment but tom touched on something there the team aspect now i still don't get it i, st- I still don't think they could sit me down in a room for a whole day and tell me how it's working this year but i think from next year it probably will work won't it because they're going to have 48 set players 12 teams of four men and it will work because these guys will be on their teams then and it's not going to be chopping and changing i mean how does one team decide who's going to play in their mega bucks team championship at the end of this season, for example, still don't understand all that, but I still think there is something there 
in in a team aspect. Now, I don't agree with them all going over there and trying to big it all up and say that they they went there for the team thing. But it sort of feels like it was something that perhaps the PGA Tour could have done. I mean, obviously, Rory uh, is quoted to have told Jay Monahan, the PGA Tour commissioner, to to hear the Premier Golf League. Uh, is it Premier Golf League, PGO? Yeah. He wanted to hear them out, didn't he? Um, and see what they had to say, because their their model was a team, a team event to, to run alongside the PGA Tour. Is there a desire for that in golf fans to have a regular team event? I think people would say that it's not for golf fans, right? I once went to a conference where an ex-CEO of M&S spoke. And M&S is primarily your mum that shops there. She was trying to say that golf, if golf needed to modernise, it should forget about golfers because existing golfers will always play golf, despite how much golf changes, because they like the game, despite its foibles and flaws. Um, So if Liv does manage, or anyone manages to create a team format that sticks, then that doesn't mean that you or I or whoever is a sort of, I guess, hate saying it, but like a traditionalist or some, a lifetime golfer. We're not going to sort of all of a sudden stop playing golf because we just spit on the floor at the idea of a team format. The idea is that it brings in new people that don't get it currently, but they do get Premier League football or they do get the IPL or they do get the 100 cricket because they understand supporting a team. Um, so, I mean, if that, if that does bring new fans and therefore new players eventually, then great but I don't I don't necessarily know if it's for I think it needs to be more obvious like I don't get why they don't play in the teams because it'd be much more like you could actually understand what was happening whereas I feel like now it's very disjointed and I feel like it could be a good idea and like quite fun to watch the team and a Patrick but because Reed there's people all over the place his own card, can he? <laughs> yeah but this is this is this is how I see it playing out this is how I see it playing out with the team thing and, and what will probably make it a lot more successful. Well, it will make it more successful is give it a year to maybe more. I'm not sure. But all those stupid names that they have at the minute will be scrapped. Right. Then it'll be gone and it will be team whatever, AT&T or team. It will all be sponsor based. Right. Every team will be this big company that's bought into the product and they'll all probably have maybe not team uniforms, but there'll be team colours, won't they, with the sponsor on them. It'll be like almost like F1. And that will resonate with a lot more people. And it's, say if there's like a team Red Bull or something, like, and people are going to know that brand, they're going to know that name, they're going to suddenly have a connection to that brand, that team colour, rather than like Fireballs, GC, why, or whatever it is. Why, and, why, do, why do people keep saying like F1, like F1 is the most successful format in the world? Like, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, well, it, F1's really it, yeah, but you, I have so, so many. I have so many friends that used to hate F1, and now they they suddenly love it because of, it's just the way it's evolved into this product. And I've got friends that don't watch any golf, and suddenly they're all talking to me about Liv, and they're saying, "Oh, is it going to be like this? Is it going to be like that?" And I'm like, "Hang on, what?" Is that not just because they've got YouTube though? <laughs> no one's watching it on YouTube though. That is that is the problem. You see the figures gone down. I think it was. 60,000 when I tuned in yesterday. Um, yeah. I'm not sure what... what Literally everyone is talking about Liv, though. When I went to everyone. America last week, the guys on security weren't asking me, like, where I was going and what I was doing. He found out I played golf and he was like, can you explain Liv and PGA to me? Like, uh, what's the what's the right side of the story? What's happening? And I was like, yeah. what? I think what is going team, on here? Yeah. I think oh, you left right, though, right. team thing, doesn't <laughs> if it was more obvious, then you might be able to get more into it. Yeah, and I think it will become that. So they they have to they have to put something in place for this year, 
done a pretty bad job of it, considering all the team names and just the confusion. But they had to start somewhere, and it's only going to get better that team aspect. Yeah, they're just they're just a little impoverished startup, exactly, living hand to mouth. Also, make all the scores count. It's absolutely ludicrous that Pat Perez is waltzing around at the end of the tournament with another $750,000 check in his hand because he finished 400 shots behind yes. Kendrick Stenson. That is exactly how the amateur team championships works in Yorkshire. All three scores to count. It's the most demoralising day of the year. More of that. More of that so you can grind your way to 275s and have your teammate come in with 93-93. Brilliant. That's just what we want. I, I'm not sure we can compare you to Pat Perez. Well, well, actually, no, you're comparing yourself to Dustin Johnson here, aren't you? And your teammate is Pat Perez. Oh, yeah, I should have done it the other way around. The other thing I would say that's been doing in the rounds on social media about Liv is this thing about people saying, well, what's the PJ Tour about? Surely that's about making money. And what about the FedEx Cup? Like, that's all about making golf with Richard. It starts in a week, doesn't it? Two weeks, playoffs? Yeah, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, and that is like a valid point, isn't it? But the FedEx Cup's really boring and I won't I don't necessarily think I'll watch much of that. Because it's 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 literally done to try and support the better players more and it's kind of a response to what the better players on the PGA Tour have said, like we deserve a bigger slice of the pie. PGA Tour have created this made for T V playoffs product, trying to tap into Americans' obsession with playoff formats. But it's not the best goal for the year. It's the end of the season. Everyone's tired. It's the same faces week for three weeks on the bounce. Um, it's an incredibly but, confusing format, which yeah, exactly, makes it even yeah. worse. So it's not. It's it's that is not necessarily good because it's it's trying to achieve the same aim of making the world's top fifty richer. So I think that's kind of an invalid criticism because that's rubbish. Whoever's winning it. Maybe we should all come up before, maybe we should, for the next two weeks, we all have to go away, little projects, little homework, go away and come up with a better format for the FedEx Cup playoffs and then we'll share them on that week's podcast and see who can come up with the best idea. Something about a mixed event. Let's move half away from Liv to Luke Donald. And I say half away from Liv, even if that makes sense, it probably doesn't. Um, because Luke Donald is European Ryder Cup captain today, Monday. Some very interesting quotes from him over the weekend at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. He had a little sly dig at Henrik Stenson. He said something like, oh, let's just say I'm not going to do a Henrik. Uh, and then it transpired that he had actually been offered a role by Liv. Now, let's just talk about this first quickly, because he was offered a, he was offered a job by Liv, but not as a player, as a pundit, which he's obviously taken offence to. And rightly so, because he said, first of all, he said he turned it down pretty quickly. And then he said, it was a bit of a slight on his game, which it was. How have we how have we got to the point where Liv Golf are offering players like Andy Ogletree a playing contract and former world number one Luke Donald a punditry contract? Pass. Well, <laughs> you know that Andy Ogletree's agent wrote to them when they didn't think they were going to have any players saying, please, can you have a start? So we got a start. Yeah, but I mean, that, that side of it. So Luke Donald needs a better agent, is that what you're saying? I think I would have said that that Liv are probably a bit annoyed that they've saddled themselves with quite so many European tour people, if there is indeed so much interest in joining now from other people. I think they're trying to get a blend of different age groups as well. They want a mix of, you know, people who are on the prime now, people who they think are going to come into the prime and people who are there for like the name and people know who they are and what they've done before. Like You can't have everyone from one group or it doesn't really work. Or country. So what do we think of Donald as Ryder Cup captain? Are we happy with that decision? 
I think it's a bit yeah. a bit meh to use social media phrase. It Go is on. a bit meh, but he he seems genuinely really wanting to do it, doesn't he? And he's happy to step up and he's happy to be almost the afterthought choice, isn't he? And so with all that said, I'm I'm like you know what, fair enough. Like let's see let's see what you've got, Luke. But I'm sort of in the end, I'm, I think it's the right decision just because of how enthusiastic he is about it and how willing he is to take it on. And of course, his record in the Ryder Cup is, you know, and and his, you know, you, I think you said it, he probably should have been a captain to begin with, shouldn't he? So, yeah, That's I agree. Thing. I feel like he'll be a really good captain, but I feel like it's it's kind of a shame for him that the way he got given it, like he deserved to get it properly rather than like Henrik getting rid of it and then him getting it as second choice. Like well, he seems a fact... much more obvious choice than Stenson in the first place. Yeah, like, I agree. I agree. He should have, he should have been the captain. Yeah. Stuff like that. But do you not think, Hannah, that it actually says a lot about Luke Donald, the fact that he could have quite happily gone, no, do you know what? You didn't want me the first time. Get lost. Yeah, that is true. I guess it shows how much he wants to do it and how much value he places on like that role, which is obviously the kind of person you actually want to do it. I don't understand why Paul Laurie doesn't get a look in for this stuff. He's got a winning Ryder Cup record. I think he's got four and a half points. He played in uh, the Battle of Brooklyn, won his point on the Sunday. Played at Medina, I think, won his point on the Sunday. He's an open champion, he's major champion. Um, he's done a ton for growing the game um, in a sort of very genuine way through his project in Aberdeen, big sport of amateur golf in Scotland. So I don't really understand why he's not not really part of the equation. He's got a better Ryder Cup record than Bjorn, for example, and he's made a champion which Bjorn isn't, and he's made a champion which Donald isn't. But I think he would be in the same sort of category in terms of being an underwhelming choice in the eyes of the media. Um, so I think he would he would, in my opinion, in normal times, Paul Lowry should be getting a, a dib at Ryder Cup captaincy. I think if I was making a choice now in the current climate, then I'd be asking Rory if he'd do it because he feels like you need something grandstand and noisy to try and grab some of the narrative back. So I think I'd be trying to do something a bit out there to try and, yeah, to try and um, bolster the sort of the, the noise around the Ryder Cup, which does run the risk of being very flat if it look, if the players that look like they're not going to be playing aren't going to be playing. I mean, an absolutely astonishing claim. But, no, I think but that's also, but also, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of, I'm trying to process it. Sorry, Hannah, I'm trying to process it because that's an astonishing thing to say. But also, about 65% of my brain went, yeah, great idea, and the other 35% went, what? <laughs> Can I? I just want to, I just want to flip back to something you were saying because, um, you were said just, we, we will come back to that while we sort of will process it. But you did say there, you kept saying that. Paul Laurie is a major champion. Does that, I, I'm just playing devil's advocate, does that really matter? Steve Strick is not a major champion and, and led the US team to the a record-breaking victory? Um, well, I don't know. Does any does any of it really matter, Alex? The, <laughs> Why are we here? What is the point? The, um, I guess that you're trying to sort of say that the, if the Ryder Cup captaincy is a kind of ceremonial position in the first, in the first place, which it it kind of has evolved to that because you only have one stint in the main. Then you're trying to reward people for their career in golf and a major championship victory is the pinnacle of golf. So I think a winning Ryder Cup record or appearances in multiple Ryder Cups and major championship, surely that is 
two pretty significant boxes ticked. I still like the idea of Katrina Matthews doing it. She's actually got the Solheim Cup team to win for the last two times. So maybe we just need a new approach, you know. Yeah. Take a captain from somewhere else. Yeah. I really wish I knew the name of the manager of the Lionesses off the top of my head. We'll just edit this in. Serena Wiegmann. <laughs> I'll just edit that over your... Oh, Serena Wiegmann. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I was fully in the camp of Luke Donald doing it uh, originally. When the Henrik Stenson thing happened, I was looking at the choices and thinking, well, this feels like the best time to give it to... I, I sort of felt when Stenson was giving it, given it perhaps because of the live thing with Paul. I mean, Porter was largely expected to do Beth Page in 25. And I thought, mate, well, maybe Donald's the better player to do Beth Page with his calming presence in what is going to be a, a raucous atmosphere. Once the Stenson thing happened, Laurie was the better choice for this, I think. Um, and then Donald for 25. But Hannah, just I want your opinion now. You've had three or four minutes to process it on Tom's claim that Rory McIlroy should take the captaincy this year. I agree from what Tom said because our team's just a bit flat at the moment, isn't it? Like Rory's probably our only like really one of our only big names at the moment. So like, do you want him to have that distraction if we're going to have any chance? But then again, probably hasn't played his best in the last Copa Ryder Cup, so maybe it would help. I do think like you just need something different. It doesn't always need to be the same. That would be a massive like fu to stand someone in. We replaced you with someone a hundred times better. Sorry, bye. <laughs> no, but Stenson, but Stenson proved his captaincy worth at Live Bedminster. When um. No, I wasn't watching. When the Stenson news happened, I asked uh, all of my colleagues for their opinion on who should take over from him, and George's far more outrageous claim than Rory. Well, McCoy. there's a reason I've been quite quiet the last <laughs> five minutes. Hang on, let me just explain. George's reasoning was it's in Italy put the Molinari brothers in charge as some sort of joint manager scenario <laughs> that would now, actually be pretty good you know that, Edward yeah, Molinari go, is doing so much stat stuff and things like that at the moment I think he would be really yeah. good in that role or at least a vice captaincy or something like he's behind a outrageous lot of his successes at the moment I nearly put Raw in then I thought well, I was going to put Rory in there. I just thought I can't deal with the two of people arguing with this right now. <laughs> so I bailed out and put Donald. <laughs> well, Dan said, another colleague of ours, Dan said Bernard Gallagher. So well, there was all <laughs> kinds of suggestions coming from all angles. I love the idea of Rory being on like the 15th hole in his match and being like, oh God, I've got to put the team in for this afternoon. Like Ryan <laughs> on a piece of paper and running it off to someone to send in because he's still out on the course. Yeah, it's not without was... his flaws, is it? <laughs> I think uh, the Molinari brothers is quite a good shout. Thank you. There's a lot of forward yeah, into that shout. The Tifosi out in force, like sort of Viva Italia. Brilliant. Well, that's what I'm <laughs> saying. And I mean, one's got a great Ryder Cup record. The other one's was going to be what he's uh, vice captain anyway. I'm not it's sure. In that, Italy. I'm not sure that your average Italian golf fan is like some sort of like Milanese ultra there. I don't think it's really going like, <laughs> to turn it into a bear pit. It just flares going <laughs> off around the 18s. I'm all for um, it. Shake things up. Right, should we, should we start looking ahead to the Women's Open at Muirfield? Now, Hannah, you went viral recently for some views on Muirfield and the Women's Open. Where are you standing on the matter right now? Still think it's a load of rubbish that it's there. I just can't get my ha- head around the fact that, what, it was literally, what, six years ago that they said... 
no we're not going to have women and they literally only change their mind to get the open and then they are and we're like I know what's a good idea let's give them the women's open it just feels like they're trying to make Muirfield pay by having the women's open Muirfield don't really want women but they're just taking it so they can have the open like what a backhanded slap in the face for women's golf it's women and girls golf week this week and we're in a situation where <laughs> there's a club who clearly don't want women to be members hosting the women's open just so they can have the men's open like that's not some sort of win for equality it's literally just like a slap in the face oh god tom's doing tom's got that look where he's gonna he's say thinking, something that i don't like no i don't think i don't think i necessarily want to counter it i just think the position's a bit extreme the the two votes thing at muirfield is really quite peculiar isn't it so the first vote to allow women members mm-hmm. actually the club voted not to allow women members which is pretty frightening and even the second vote i think there were 120 odd people who still voted not to allow women members and on the face of it that is sort of maddening and all the rest of it but there is a there is a place at the, where all views aren't there someone said to me recently it takes an entire village to raise a man and I, I think sometimes we are in danger of being overly critical of people who want to do things their way so i think that there's a yeah i think sometimes we're we're perhaps as bad as the people we're criticizing because our views are so extreme is one thing i think there's a stark contrast though between doing something the way you want to do it and doing something that's blatantly sexist like there's a big difference between like we all wear green here because this is our team or whatever them being like we're not having women in here who are like over 50 like 50 percent of the population yeah i i I think I definitely, well, I do definitely agree with that. Um, I just think that that we are, you are trying to change views and ways of operating that have been in place for decades, centuries. I'm not, I'm not saying those things are right, but obviously things do take time to change. And if you don't want to be accused of tokenism, then there's certain things that are going to take a while before balance is achieved. Um, and perhaps Muirfield hosting. The women's open will change the views of some of those people uh, for the better so it, is it not a good thing that the women's open is going to like the very heart of the view that you're rallying against i think hannah's point is that they're doing it under duress rather than because they want to improve their image well absolutely but i would go to the gym under duress because i want to lose weight but then when i go to the gym <laughs> and lose weight that's good for me a wonderful point so kind of however it's come about is it not a good thing that the but biggest. you're still choosing to go to the gym. <laughs> They're well, not necessarily choosing to have this. I don't really want to get bogged down the analogy, but no, I'm not. I mean, if I had it my way, I'd just sit on my couch and eat crisps and <laughs> shove down red wine. But I can't do that because I'll have a heart attack by Monday. But So I'm not going to the gym through choice. But I think that the, the fact that the biggest showcase event in women's golf is going to arguably the most controversial place it could go to in Britain is potentially positive because it's got the most chance of changing some of those views that you that we all think need to change. Do you think the people who voted to not let women in will go and watch? We'd really hope that some of them would, wouldn't you? So, I, again, I just want to play devil's advocate because my feeling on the Muirfield vote is, as Tom said, it's maddening. Now, you might recall when the, was it the 2017 PGA Championship when it was on BBC because... There was something with Sky, wasn't there? And it ended up on the BBC. Who won it? 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 Justin Thomas. But there was a... Well, there, I always remember, Tom, you, I always remember you saying when 
when Peter Alice described Justin Thomas as just bursting on the scene and you said something along the lines of if you're 86 years old and the last tournament you watched was the 2014 Open of course Justin Thomas has just burst onto the scene and that's sort of how I feel about the Muirfield thing like everyone who voted in that hundred I mean most of those people that voted in that in that uh, who voted not to allow women are probably dead now five years on six years on or whatever it is and I'm not it saying it's I'm done 50 years ago I'm not saying that it's right that they should have voted that way of course but you look at the, if you take the demographic of people that voted in that in that vote at Muirfield they're probably all in their 80s and 90s who who play who grew up playing golf in a time when women just didn't play golf you just you went to the golf club and your and your wife stayed at home and looked after the kids but I think that's and, that, and that's the world they still live in in their head like about the whole golf and women's situation like they just think oh it's a private club like they can do what they want like you don't need to get involved and it it's so much bigger than that like what people convey at that club level is like what their opinion is of women in society regardless of if you agree with that or not so actually these places having these views are really powerful and saying like women are not valued in this space and it's a bigger message than just like we don't want them to play golf here I totally agree with that and I think I would have said previously that if you're a private club you can do as you like but what you certainly can't do is have the open or you certainly can't have the women's open yeah. um, but that enormous carrot or stick is the thing that's driven change there and without it nothing would have changed and there is there is also I don't know why I'm positioning myself like this because it's not what I think at all but there is all there is also this kind of status quo argument i can't wait for you to get firing back at me on this hannah but there are lots and lots of places where uh, there's either a separate women's club so there's st royal at st andrews or um formby ladies for example where people are broadly happy with the status quo um and i would go further than that and say that in golf clubs where you have a sort of traditional membership that women are happy in inverted commas with restrictive playing rights for previously uh, lower fees which they now don't have due to the equality act so there is an awful lot of inertia in golf because there's not a huge amount of unhappiness against the people partaking in it and the people who are unhappy are still the minority and that's the problem but i think that's because of the demographic we have currently in golf one you need to remember why those women's golf clubs exist and it's because they were previously not allowed to play with the men so they had to find another way of getting around it and two you have to realize like golf is such an aging sport like the big collection of membership currently is people and women that haven't worked a lot so for them it works fine for them to go and play golf on a Tuesday not play on a Saturday and pay smaller fees because of that but for people like me and like the new era of people are coming up that doesn't work because I'm at work on a Tuesday. I can't play then. So I pay full fees, but then I can't play on a Saturday because it's men's day. That's stupid. So for me, yeah, it actually would still be more valuable, which is stupid in 2022, to join a women's club because it's probably one of the only places where I can play a medal round at the weekend. Which is absolutely obvious. <laughs> the, the big problem is golf is still not equal, which is why we still need women's clubs which is stupid. So people always use this thing like, oh, well, there's still women's clubs. Like if you want it to be equal, we should get rid of women's golf clubs. But they're actually still needed to serve their purpose because we can't get on the golf course when we want to and things aren't equal. 
So I think that's the biggest problem now. Like people still, the generation of golfers that we still have still suit that narrative, but soon that's going to change. And if it doesn't change, you're not going to get younger people playing because like I'm having to pay lots more money to play less golf to the point where you're yeah. having to join another golf club to be able to play on the weekend, yeah, which is I'm ridiculous. Yeah, 100% agree with you. I think my point is more that if, for example, you decided that you were going to get your placards out and march up the first fairway at Fixby and say, I want to be playing in Saturday competitions because that's the only thing that'd be fair, how many of the existing uh, women's membership do you think would be following behind you? 10%. Yeah, there's not enough um, appetite for the argument at club level amongst existing female golf club members to affect change that's the big issue but soon if you don't change that you're not going to have women members and you're not going to have a membership that's growing because eventually those people are going to stop playing or die out of the club and you're going to have a big problem so regardless of whether even if you hadn't like regardless of having that percentage of people to push it it still needs to change otherwise you're going to have a bigger problem in the future 100% agree but I think that a lot of that like the, the existing female players need to be have a louder voice in that argument. But the reason why Hannah the reason why Hannah says ten percent is because that ten percent is people who are Hannah's age who have the same problem. Because the other ninety percent are retired and and as Hannah says can play on a Tuesday. Or a lot of people have just given up. They stop playing because they think, well, this isn't like exactly. I can't play when I want to play. Exactly. But but that's but that is the problem though. What you just described, Alex. So. If, if that club has a vote that says, OK, Hannah's been moaning at us all year about wanting to play golf on Saturday. How many other women want to play golf on a Saturday? Oh, there's two of you. Sorry, we're not going to do it. But they, I so, think well, there's more than you think, to be honest. Well, make and, and that will but that will change as the, as the years go on. Like we're sort of still stuck in this strange period in in club golf history for want of a better phrase where we've st- where, where club golfs are still dominated by the older generation who did it differently because say at my golf club like there's too many people to get out on a saturday if you want a competition on a saturday there's too many members to fit on the golf course so how do you physically decide like who can and can't play like who clicks the button first on the tee sheet at nine o'clock on a Tuesday morning because they're also not at work so they can actually book a tea time on time just shutting women out of that isn't there a bigger argument that like if you don't work why are you taking up a spot on a day when people that are working can play yeah but then because of the percentage of the way golf clubs work currently like we have so many older members people can't be like oh we don't want them to not play on a Saturday because then they'll get pissed off and they'll stop paying membership fees and they're the biggest section of the golf club I don't really know what the answer is to how you fix that well it, I just the, the purpose of the Equality Act was to try and get equal fees for equal playing rights there's some very very peculiar wording in it where if there's a normal way of proceeding then you're allowed to carry on with that normal way of proceeding for a period of time but the answer should just be that everyone pays the same everyone has equal playing rights that's it um, and if you can't get on your golf club at a weekend then you need to go and join somewhere you can do but I think that is that is big the big thing that hasn't happened is that there aren't equal playing rights at enough clubs because weekends are still dominated by men's competition should we get back to the women's British Open that took quite a turn and good um, and a good turn as well it's an, it's an important message so who do we think is going to win who are we back in 
Lydia Kerr. She played really solid this week in Scotland. She just needed a few more putts to drop at the weekend. I mean, she shot two seven under par rounds in the first two rounds. So, I mean, her game's definitely there. And she has, well, plenty of wins under her belt to know if she can do it at major. What's Nord pushed up to? She's been playing good. She won on the LET like the week of the Open. She played really good in that Champions of Champions match around the old course because I watched her group and she's defending. So also a pretty good shout. I was having this conversation with someone this weekend about um, male commentators on female football and vice versa. People saying, why do we have female pundits on male football but we don't have male pundits on female football? Um, because did you hear the male pundit on the female football yesterday? He had to actually ask someone what one of the players was called before right. he... It's because female football footballers know the Premier League inside out, but male pundits have got no idea about women's football. And the unfortunate truth is that it's the same in women's golf, right? We have conversations all of the time about women's golf, and Hannah knows a million times more about it than we do. How do we change that, Hannah? Uh, the media writing about people more. <laughs> yeah. You follow golf for like stories, so like you like a certain player because you understand about them and you know like Rory's backstory and what he's done, what he did in the amateur game and things like that. Like we just do not know enough about the women to like be attached to their like story in the same way. Like there's so many interesting stories in golf. Like I was reading one this weekend about Leonie Harm, the German player. She won like the British Amateur a couple of years ago. She plays on the LAT now. She's in the field next week. Like. She nearly died in a car crash. She was given yeah. 1% chance of living because she used to get up at 5am every morning, go do a running and a workout before school, then do a practice in the evenings. And she got hit by a drunk driver. And then from 1% chance of living, she's gone on, been majorly successful, massive amateur career, only been a pro like a really short length of time and is doing really well. Like those are the kind of thing, like stories that get people involved with people and get people involved with watching women's sport. Like it's not just about watching the golf and seeing what's happening. I mean, we don't see enough of the women's golf as it is already, but I think like there's two sides to that story. Like you watch sport for role models and for people you can understand and relate to, and if you don't know anything about them, then you can't do that. It's definitely a because uh, you know you always hear that oh well it's not covered because there's no interest or because people aren't going to read it, but it's just a constant cycle, isn't it? Because the more you do start covering and do start putting stories out, people are going to, like you say, get more attached to those people, and then the interest is going to go. So it's just, it's just a constant. It's a, it's a bit of a battle, isn't it? Is it, is it not an argument to be had that couldn't really give a shit whether it's a man or a woman? Like I, I read, I read stories about golf because of the story, not because of the person involved. Your story, then, that you were just talking about, Hannah, read the same story. Would it have made a difference if it was a man? No, couldn't care less. I just I read it because well, it's a really exactly. interesting story. That's what I mean. But how often do you see a story like that about a woman? Not point four percent of sport coverage covers women. How many women play sport? Like that is not a that is not an equal percentage. Like, and I'm not saying there should be a world where it's necessarily fifty fifty because that might not reflect the people watching and the people who are playing. But it should not be under one percent. Like that is pathetic. And so I agree with your point, like the story is important and it's not important who the gender is behind the story, but not having any stories about women is a problem. Just to get back to the players, Hannah, I was going to ask you and George, in fact, for any potential home favourites, 
Leona Maguire, Leona Maguire, Leona Maguire, Leona Maguire. I feel like she's the best in form at the moment. I mean, Jess Baker's playing as an amateur. She just won the British Arm. That's going to be interesting, but I'm not sure she's going to contend. Georgia Hall played um, well this week. Gemma Drybury, Scotland. She won best Scot at the women's. Charlie Hall's been playing well, but I'm just... Her putting never quite seems to be there. It is trending. Short game in general. Better. But she is just a phenomenal ball striker, like men or women. She's one of the best golfers I've ever seen to hit a golf ball. Like on the range with her at Wentworth, and she's just hitting like two irons out of divots on the range, like it's nothing. Like a P792 iron. And then she turns to the fitter and's like, Can you get me this in a blade instead? Like it's too chunky. And he's like, No. Like she's using exactly, exactly the same weight and flex shafts as Rory in pure blades. She absolutely smokes it. Yeah. She re- it's not even relative to that like she just likes the feel of really of like having that weight of shaft it's ridiculous she, she's she's also similar to rory in the sense that she either starts badly and ends well or starts really well and then ends badly so how does she get over that and finally get over the line in one of these things i mean i think it's really in a short game it's just not that consistent currently i also think for her like probably having a good caddy and good strategy because I think she likes courses that look a certain way so sometimes if a course doesn't look like that tree-lined look that she has at Woburn like it's almost just like head gone so having someone that can really kind of help her pick targets and like zone in without because on links that's quite difficult isn't it somewhere to really pick precise targets and not worry about the fact that it looks different to her eye to what she's used to. You can tell me how much the winner will make at this week's Queen's British Open. Yes, I have Googled it. Hmm. Uh, I actually don't know. I want to say 1.9 million, but I think that's way, way too 1. much. 1.5. It's just over a million dollars. I think I've read 1.9. So the total the total prize fund is 6.8 million dollars. Total prize fund at the Open was 15 million dollars. Cameron Smith won 2.5 million. So I guess that'll be similar to what Tony Finau's just won for winning the um, Rocket Mortgage. He would have won about a million dollars for that, would he? It's a bit it's depressing. More, it was a bit more than that. But yeah, but, but it's, you know, that's, I just hate that. To be honest, I hate that conversation because it's, you know, how many tickets were sold? How many advertising? You know, oh, God, here we go. Well, it's just, just, just oh, bad. Yeah, but also <laughs> it's fact because women were banned from playing sport for so long, weren't allowed to play golf, weren't allowed to go on certain golf courses. You can't think of it that way because women's sport is like hundreds of years behind in comparison. If you think of how many reps and how many tournaments like men's golf has been through in comparison, it's literally like comparing these golfers to play. And like I agree, Nicholas but if the money's not there, George, they're, they're, they're not George, putting George, in the money they're not buying tickets. And then tell us that this is a meritocratic <laughs> commercial thing where, oh, how many people watched, how many sponsors have they got? That's not how Tom, I'm not. I'm not an advocate of this or that. I'm just a bit of a wind-up merchant, to be honest. It's, it's not. Just set fire, Hannah. Well, yeah, no, but I just hate it. Just, it's just, it's just always the same, and it's like. I just hear that argument, and like it's such cheap shot, and it's. But that's the, like, But that's just the fact. It's just isn't the it? worst storyline. It's, story it's, it's not those. So George, it's George, 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 George. The, the, the prize fund is put forward because of, isn't it? Because of sponsors and because of tickets and because of all that. But if it's so. You know what I mean? Say there's an event, there's 100 people there. Or should they be getting the same prize fund as an event that's got 
Yeah, but George, George, let me just speak. Nelly, so Nelly Cord has put in just as much effort as Scotty Scheffler. So, like, why shouldn't they earn the same? That's the counter argument, isn't it? And, that, and just to go back to football, the US women's team is far more successful than the men's team and earns a fraction of what they earn. The and and what you're talking about putting bums on seats. Yesterday's attendance for the Lionesses final was the biggest yeah. uh, European Championship. And, and they, uh, what did what did the women earn? They earned well, then, well, that's 50, a, that's 50 grand or something for that victory. Separate, and the men, separate. if the men had won, they would have earned half a million. Yeah, which, well, then I then I disagree with that. But that's that wasn't the conversation, was it? It was about the women. It was the, 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 it was about the the PGA Tour on the weekend and the Women's Open, which is going to be happening next week. Now, one is going the PGA is going to be generating far more money than the women. So, yeah, but you have to understand the infrastructure that comes below that, like. Just because you are a boy, like you get more investment in your sport naturally through the chain as it is. So like women golfers coming into the Women's Open have been much less invested in to get to their journey and have had to pay a lot more into their career than you would have had to do if you were on the same trajectory as men's golf. There just isn't the same amount of stuff as there's been because women were not allowed in that space for so long. So you've got to think of comparing like, the women's golf now to like men's golf a hundred years ago and that men's golf a hundred years ago got invested in because people thought oh this is going to be a good product not because there was hundreds of thousands of people getting involved and watching then like sometimes the investment has to come the other way around which people don't understand because you didn't see what happened in men's sport all that time ago and how it was invested and what well, then there's the argument not that the like, think of comparing it now but you can't compare it now because it's just completely different and how it's been built. And to be honest, I think the RNA should just front that. Like if they want to go on about all this like women in golf charter stuff and your committee should have X percent of women on it and you should be doing this, then you should front the money and like actually make that count on the level that you're talking about. Like they badger on about, I think in the women in golf charter this year, all golf clubs who sign up to this should have like 30% of their committees being female. <laughs> the RNA's committee doesn't even have 30% female. Like, if you're going to preach something, you've got to practice it. And it's got to come from the top. Um, I mean, if you look at the, the last Women's British and you look at the trophy presentation, every single person on the green who was presenting, apart from like the women's captain from that club, was a man the women's British like who who behind the scenes is not thinking like this is a bit of a problem like we're not doing something right here and that's the issue like there's not enough women in the decision making process so stuff like that happens and then it looks horrendous on golf and then that's the bigger story than the women who are playing that feels like a really nice mic drop that was a good end there to to walk away from Um, alright keep my voice level not like it. <laughs> it's a good job we're doing this on team so i can't strangle george through a screen no it's good this is why i bring it up because then i you know you want to get educated more and you want to hear you know the opposing view you don't just want to be one-sided i think it's good that good that it got it out of you because then you know we're all learning aren't we and well, so are our listeners i think everyone's views are so entrenched that's the problem like it it was it has been an amazing thing to watch kids uh, boys and girls watching this women's football and it's just normal oh look here we all are watching women playing football 
and it's really exciting and the whole country's behind it. Um, and that's the first time in my life I can think of that being a thing because watching women play football has never been normal before. It's always been something that we all sort of laugh at and think, oh, that's a bit silly. Why are they so bad in goal? And now all of a sudden you've got a credible product that for my kids who are six and seven, it's just something that will be normal as they grow up. And that's amazing. Completely agree. Right, let's leave it there and we'll we'll come back to this next week and maybe we can continue after the uh, Women's Open, which uh, and one thing I think we can all agree on is it's, uh, as always, going to be uh, a wonderful tournament on politics aside, a wonderful golf course and uh, can't wait to watch. All right. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate that. If you're still listening, uh, go and follow us, follow us on social. Give George some abuse. <laughs> Please do. And uh, and rally behind Hannah and, and uh, her opinions, which we, of course, share and endorse. All right. Thanks, guys.